Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two co-hosts, my two festive co-hosts, Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ho, 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 ladies. Well, now it's super creepy with a ho, ho, ho attached. (laughs) When is Santa Claus ever not creepy? You know, he's got a point there. Come, I mean, people sitting on his lap and stuff, like... How often in your life do you have people sitting on your lap? Yeah, strange people putting their kids on some guy's lap. It's the only time of year where that's acceptable. Yeah. You're really hurting our our uh, listenership in the old seven to eight year old demographic when you talk. Oh, about he's that. totally real, but, but he's doesn't super creepy. Doesn't make him any less creepy. <laughs> kids are always afraid of him. I mean, they cry when you put them on his lap. Yeah. There's a, a reason lesson. for that. Kids, reality's creepy. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right so if you ever want to talk to us on the internet which that's anyway you can do so by finding us on facebook at the league of nonsensical gamers or shooting uh, shooting us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com you can head over to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com to uh join us at bgg guild number 2077 got a lot of good conversation going over going on over there and you can find us on places like Twitter and Instagram. We are all over the place. Today's show is a good one. We've got a failed and flipped segment where Tiffany B has actually gotten rid of some games, only to acquire new games. And we have our seasonal nonsensical secret Santa. We did this last year. We've got some characters that we've drummed up to give some gifts away to. But before we get into any of that, we are going to chat about what we've been playing. And Tiffany B, please tell me you've continued to play some games since BGGCon. I've played one game since BGGCon, and it was a game that I played at BGGCon, and that is Automania. All right. Is it any better? I played it with three players this time instead of four, but I still think it takes a little bit longer than I want it to take. Okay. I think maybe that's, it's like a lighter game. And it has some really solid things going on, but I just want it to be a little bit shorter. Maybe I was just really hungry at the time because we were about to eat dinner. It was like, ooh, we got to fit in this game and then go eat dinner. My concern is why do you keep making excuses for Automania, Tiff? I you really want like to it. like it, don't you? <laughs> no, I like it. I I don't hate it. I just... um. And I think it's going to be perfect for board game club kids because the rules are kind of intuitive and it makes sense, all the things that you're doing with the theme. Plus, it's got the cutesy artwork and my kids just are really drawn to that sort of look. So it'll at least get to the table. I think it's possible that they'll get bored of doing the same thing for, I forget how many, you do it for four rounds. I want to just do it for three rounds. Hmm. You seem to... You have a lot of different things that you want to change about this game. <laughs> I don't think you like Automania, Tiff. That's, I don't know. <laughs> Conflicted gamer. <laughs> it's hurting. It's we'll hurting. see. I want to I wanna play it with younger players and see how that goes. It might make me happy to see them planning and, and all of that stuff. But the people I played it with, one kind of hated it because he thought he was out of the game really early on and couldn't catch up. And the other said it was fine. So not really a ringing endorsement of the game. Well, some things don't change. Yeah. Automania, still meh. (laughs) Dan, what have you been getting into? One I didn't get a chance to talk about last time, I don't think we did, uh, was Potion Explosion. This was a game about pulling marbles of specific colors and set collecting them to make potions. 
I believe this game is based off a popular app. Um, I've never played the app, but if you can picture it, what I've been told is it's similar to kind of like a Candy Crush or one any of those games where you're trying to get like X in a row and then they kind of combine. It's like Tetris style, but they call those like take three or pick three games, something like that. I'm not sure what they're called. I don't really yeah. play any of them all that much. I find that they're all kind of the same and I get bored with them quickly. The Bejeweled games. Yeah. Bejeweled was cool back in the day, but I think all these different iterations really haven't done too much to excite me past what bejeweled offered um but this game is it's it's huge toy factor actually i mean there literally is like 50 plus marbles in this game and you're putting them in this little contraption that has uh five different shoots i think it was and they're all randomly thrown in there and they come out randomly in the five different shoots or however many shoots there are and what you're doing is you're trying to pull you get to pull a marble on your turn and after you pull that marble if the marbles that then roll down to touch each other match in color you can then pull those marbles so you're there's a little chain reaction happening as you continue to pull marbles if you plan it correctly or well you can't do too much planning with this game but if you wind up pulling correctly there's a way that you can really get some comboing going uh, and then you put it on these little potions that are on your uh, player board in your player area your little tableau and they're nice thick cardboard with little kind of holes punched out where the marbles sit nicely. It's a it's a really well-produced game. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think it's a very light game, actually. I think it's a great game for like someone like Tiff for her club. I think the kids would really enjoy something like that. I think it would be one that you could play with the family every once in a while. For me, I felt there was just something missing to really make it a great game. Like I said, not a bad game. I, I enjoyed my play of it. I just feel like they they could add something. So maybe it is ripe for expansion to some degree, but I was really impressed with how they actually made that kind of uh, bejeweled kind of feel with just the marbles and the little shoot. Uh, this one's not out yet. This came out at Essen. I believe it was Horrible Games put this one out. The guys who did Steam Park uh, most recently and Cool Mini or Not picked it up for U.S. distribution next year. So it'll probably have miniatures in it now. <laughs> little potion miniatures little potion miniatures but now overall I, I thought it was a good family game i thought it was well produced and it was entertaining but if they add something to it i'll be ecstatic because i just feel like it's missing something and i can't put a finger on it yeah do you get to play this one tiff yeah i played it too i i think i agree with dan like the novelty of pulling the marbles it's really fun i mean when you get two of the marbles to line up and you get this big potion explosion where you're chaining off of all the ones that you pulled out it's a really satisfying feeling but i don't know overall it's kind of a vanilla sort of thing it was very repetitive yeah if you take out the toy factor of it Mm. i don't know that i would have loved it the novelty was cool like tiff said but the the repetitiveness of what you were doing was i think it could have ended a little quicker maybe it didn't take too long did it i felt like it took like 45 minutes plus i thought it was a little bit long we played it on the last day though we did so my my brain was dragging it was a great game for the last day but having to complete so many potions and there was a little bit of the rule book that we weren't quite sure about which may speed it up a rule that had to do with how you can make sets of different potions but it was it was was a cool little game yeah when i saw the picture of this on the twitter feed at league nonsense hey hey uh i thought that this was that blue orange game that you guys were playing or i got the two mixed up weren't they both about potions 
Oh, Dr. Eureka. Yeah. Is that about, that's like mixing things too? Yeah, know, it's, but it's tubes. more scientific. Obviously. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me. Sorry. It's way more realistic in theme as well <laughs> as execution. Gotcha. Uh, you're rolling marbles into the test tubes. You're not just placing them on cardboard. So obviously you get the immersion as a scientist. You guys are easily won over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Speaking of being easily won over, I'm still playing Pandemic Legacy. Uh, It's awesome. I'm easily won over by opening small cardboard flaps and little containers and seeing the new things that it has in store. And I have to say, we played our seventh game. Seventh game? One, it's like climbing up there in terms of most played recently. And they're given really good twists to the game. It really feels like Pandemic without feeling like Pandemic. I don't know how they're doing it. Uh, I can't wait to see where the game goes because we're only halfway through and at times it kind of we stare at each other with like these oh crap moments and we don't know how we're going to get through. So I don't know how the game is going to develop over the next six plays to 15 plays, depending on how we do. But this game is pretty awesome. And I'm thinking maybe uh, writing up some kind of spoiler review or just some kind of I want to talk about this game in more detail instead of every podcast just saying I'm still playing this game. It's still fun. I want to tell people about it, but I don't want to spoil anything. So is it I still say number three game of all time fun? So number three game of is it at three now? I it's, know it was at fourteen. It's at three now. I think it's it's got a bit of a jump to get to where Terra Mystica is. I believe Terra Mystica is number two now, or whatever is number two is. It's a bit of a leap, but there's that whole like conspiracy of like people are like rating it a ten and rating everything else on the BGG top one hundred like a one, so it goes up and it's. It's all silliness. I I mean, anyone who really knows the site doesn't take much stock in those ra- ratings to begin with. They're all just a strange popularity contest with some archaic formula. Yeah, but, I mean, it can't, just like you said, it can't be taken for what it is because people are openly discussing how they're rigging the system. So it's BS to begin with. Pandemic Legacy is really good. It's up there. So it's at number three, like Dan said, it just past Caverna. It's underneath Terra Mystica and Twilight Struggle. Now the debate of why is Twilight Struggle up there is one that rages on often, but I don't know that Pandemic Legacy is, I, I don't know. It's t- I mean, it's all subjective in terms of how you rate games. It is a lot of fun and it is a quality title that has some really impressive design, just the way that they did everything like Terra Mystica, like Caverna. Now, it's not a heavy Euro, and it's based off a game that was created before, so it's like a reimagining. So the question is, can you really say a game that's got, you know, it's a it's an original game that had things tacked onto it. Is it? Does that push it up the ranks like this? But I think it's good. Number three, I don't know. Should Terra Mystica and Caverna be at number three? I, I love Terra Mystica. I think it's a, an excellent game. But so if this is ranked as like the the number three game of all time, is Terra Mystica the number two game of all time? Is that legit? Are any of these games, should they be up there? I don't know. Like you said, it's all subjective. I don't really put stock in those ratings to begin with at all. I just kind of look through. I figure if it's in the top 1,000, it's a decent game. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into like 1 through 10 or 1 through 100, it's all just... It's just how people rate their game. I mean, me personally, I haven't even given Terra Mystica a rating. I don't rate games on BGG. I don't know. There's all all kinds of discussion around it. Yeah. But I I frankly don't care. I just find it funny that people are getting upset about it and really like trying to push it up there at the same time. It's weird. It's kind of dumb and makes it even less meaningful. You know, when you rig the system... 
how does that make it any better? But I do think the Pandemic Legacy is probably kind of the best in its class, if that's fair to say, in terms of co-op games and legacy games so far without Seafall and without the that other game that um, Rob Davio is now working on. It, it definitely rises above the rest, but number three game of all time. There's like 70,000 games on BGG, so silly anywho anything else you guys have been playing yeah we um we played my village oh yeah i need to hear about this because this was on a uh, top of the stack it was um i brought tiff her her copy to bgg con and we got a chance to play it with travis what's up travis how you doing buddy and it was good it was really good this just took over probably my top dice game spot um it's it's got a village feel to it but it's not village um, it may even have slightly more complexity than Village when you kind of get into it. Basically, what you're doing is you're rolling a pool of dice. There's, a, Depending on player count, there's a pool of dice uh, comprised of white dice and black dice. When you roll them, what you're going to do is you're going to select two of those dice, and that gets you what's called your activation value. And this activation value is going to be used to activate cards in the middle of the table to buy them, or to activate the cards you've already purchased in your tableau to use their abilities, okay? Um, the white dice obviously being no effect. If you take a black die, you lose two time. So kind of like a black cube in Village. Again, the similarity with Village, there's the time track. So everything you do, everything you activate and buy costs you some sort of time unit. And then you move your little track around. Once it crosses the bridge, you have to kill off one of your villagers. And the way villagers work in this game is that there is five, there's five or six villagers. And if you kill one of those guys, you are unable to activate the cards in the, that row of your tableau or buy cards from that that type of card until you put a new villager there because there's no one there to you know run the shops or you know take care of the stables etc so uh, a really cool little decision point comes into play there with that you can put out new villagers through the school and then another uh, interesting idea that they have there is that all victory points in the game have to be banked so everything you earn goes into this little like happy tree on your i think it's called the point tree or something along those lines on your board your player board and until you move this little guy along a track back to the house you cannot bank them um, and when a villager dies you have to move this rat along a plague track and if the rat gets to the end of the track everyone that hasn't banked their points loses half of the points that are on their player board so you really have to be cognizant of how fast people are killing their villagers off and how fast you're moving this guy back and forth on the little track to bank your points when you think it's you know the risk reward. I don't mind losing two points, but if I've got 20 points sitting in that tree, I'm sure as shit going to put them in my house because I'm going to lose them then. So I, I really liked it. I thought there was a lot of a lot of good decisions to be made and a lot of engaging kind of play for a dice game. Yeah, I agree. Well, we need... Dan was going to love it, Tiff, so give us the real deal. <laughs> well, I think you could probably say you knew I would love it because I love Village, and this is Village plus dice stuff. You so mean it's Village the Dice Game? It's a little Village the Dice Game. It's <laughs> it's set in the Village universe. 
In no so, part of the village board game do you build your village. This is building your village. That is correct. And then your people die in that village. Right. The only thing I really didn't like was that stupid happy tree and having to go back and forth to bank points. I kind of avoided it a little bit, which is probably why I lost. I was going to say, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> avoiding the point scoring mechanism. I was happy because Travis provided us with some delicious breakfast tacos, so whatever happened in the game wasn't going to phase me. <laughs> he buttered you up. Totally. <laughs> it was the best day ever. But yeah, I, I thought it was fun. Everything Dan said, it's pretty chunky for a dice game, you know? Most dice game versions of anything are going to be lighter, and this is definitely not lighter. It might be a little bit more thinky than Village actually is, but I don't know. I've played Village too many times, so that might be the problem there. I really like tableau building, so it was fun to try to decide which area on my tableau I was going to get cards for, and trying to get this, the cards with the same activation value is a, a cool thing, and I don't know. I like it. I'll play it a million more times, I think. All right. Well, let's stack it up against the other ones. So we got Roll for the Galaxy. We got Discoveries. And I think there's some kind of Nations thing, but we won't worry about that one. Uh, so in terms of complexity gameplay, not fun, not enjoyment, complexity gameplay, where's this stack up? The top. Top. Okay. So it's, I would assume Discoveries is probably number two. Maybe Roll for the Galaxy, depending on who you're playing with. And then fun. So, Tiff, you love Roll for the Galaxy. Like, I love Roll for the Galaxy. Where does it stack up? Mm, it's tough because I've played Roll for the Galaxy more times. Yeah. So, I don't feel 100% qualified to say that my village is more fun, but it's more my style. So, you're looking more forward to playing that? Yeah, I am looking forward to playing it more. Yeah. All right, Dan. I think we know the answer, but... Let's hear you back up your opinion. It sits on top of all of them for me. Yeah. I mean, not only is it, you know, two really good designers that I really like, uh, it's the Village Universe, which I love. It's it's just a solid game. And like Tiff said, it's got a lot of good Euro elements in it, uh, which obviously appeal to me. And I think that's why it takes the cake for me. Yeah, yeah. Now, that being said, I haven't played the new expansion for Roll for the Galaxy. So that might be a game changer. Yeah, I haven't I either. Yeah, I got to play it. It's interesting. I don't know that it necessarily adds new complexity. It adds a little bit more depth because it gives you some like contract kind of things to chase. And it gives you multi-use dice. So dice with uh, multiple things on the sides where you can put them different places. It also gives you dice that pay for themselves. So instead of put putting them into your citizenry, they go right back into your cup when you use them. Ooh. So it feels almost identical to Roll for the Galaxy, which is a good thing because I don't see any reason to not play with the expansion for moving forward. Like it, it doesn't radically change things, but it does give you some new elements to chase, which I think is exciting if you've kind of exhausted or not exhausted because there's so much replayability. But, you know, you were feeling some of the monotony of like, OK, this is my 30th game or like the guy, I think it's Isolate the Dragon who's doing 100 rolls in the year he's like trying to play roll for the galaxy a hundred times that guy needs an expansion so uh it but it's good it's, it's quality i don't know that it would push it for either of you it doesn't sound like it would push it past my village though so i'm excited to try it out good old village the dice game sounds like a good time um all right well that's what we've been playing let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back tiff and dan have some games that they have discarded for new finds so join us for that All 
All right, everyone, welcome back. It is time for our next segment. We are doing Failed and Flipped. So, Tiffany B., you're up first. You got some trades in. Let us know what you got rid of and what you got in return. I have been doing a whole bunch of trading lately. For me, it just seems to come in like hot and cold streaks because I, all this week, have gotten a whole bunch of trade offers. And uh, so I made a couple of trades while, right before BGGCon. One was I traded City of Iron which I played and liked, and I had the first version of it, so there were some like rule things that were tough the first time we played it. I traded that for Nations, not the dice game, the regular full Nations. Full nations. Yeah. You got a value deal there. I felt like it, yeah. And I really like Nations. It's something I've only gotten to play once because I was playing on uh, Chris Kopak's copy, and he doesn't live in Columbus. So this will hopefully help me get it to the table again. But you've played Nations, right? Yeah, I played it once before, and I I really like the idea of Civ building games, but I don't like six-hour-long games. <laughs> so... I, I've been on a quest to find a, a not too long Civ building game that actually kind of feels like Civ building. <laughs> I remember you're playing Historia. Yeah. Did you play Golden Ages? No, I haven't. No. I think we've chatted about that before, but the reason that comes to mind is it just came out again and people are chatting about it on the podcast I listen to. It might be one to, to look into next. Yeah, I'll add it to my list. Now, Dan, you will get into your game, but you also traded City of Iron, didn't you? So this game doesn't not quite up to snuff. Yeah. Well, I, I never played it, to be honest with you. It was the first edition, and when I saw that there was a second edition coming out, I was obviously a little bit more willing to trade my first edition knowing that I can still get it. Because when I got the first edition, it was out of print. Knowing that it was coming back into print, if I do have the inclination to pick it up at some point in the future, it's, it's there for me. And I traded it, I think I mentioned it last time on the podcast, I, I traded it for Dominant Species, which I think that's an excellent deal. Everybody's trading their City of Iron up. <laughs> Doing really well, apparently. So that, that just means there are people out there that want to check out City of Iron. I think it's a good game, but I can live without it. <laughs> All right, Dan, so what have you gotten rid of? I got rid of two. I don't want to say got rid of. I, I traded two games because I actually like these two games a lot, but they just, one was overplayed, and that was Cacao, and the other was Steam Park, which just never saw the table. Both great games, in my opinion. I liked playing them. But I was able to, I was on the hunt for a copy of Snowdonia, and I managed to track that down. I actually traded with one of our, our, our listeners, Mr. Dustin Schwartz. Thanks, Dustin. Um, it came in last week after I got back from BGGCon, and I'm happy to try it out. What is Snowdonia about? I vaguely can picture the cover, but I get it mixed with Snowtails, and I don't think it's about sled dog racing. So Snowdonia is a little mix of card drafting with some hand management, worker placement. Again, I haven't played this one yet, but I've heard good things about it, and that's why I want to try it. Um, it's from Lookout, so obviously it's got some backing that I, I respect and trust. Basically, you're working as gangs, I think. You're trying to construct the mountain railways so snowden mountain of sorts but unlike like other train games you actually are kind of excavating the mountainside as well as laying the track and stuff like that so it's it's a little different take on a train game I, i've heard good things about it and i'm definitely excited to try it out but I, I was a little sad to part with cacao and steam park though probably more steam park 
I think you were done with Cacao. Cacao, Cacao is a great game, but I literally have played it like 15 times, and I, I don't see anything else I can get out of it, to be honest with you. It's it's a really well-designed game. I think it's quick, it's fun, it's accessible. But again, after that, after so many plays, like literally I just was on cruise control. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have the volcanoes, Dan. I picked up the volcanoes at BGGCon. It's going to be a game changer. I don't think it will. But <laughs> it's going to melt all the cacao. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate there are two whole tiles, okay? Listen. So you're saying it's the hot chocolate expansion? Oh, I love it. I'll be here all night, or at least for 20 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever move, Dan, and you need to establish a new game group, you have to pick Cacao back up because it's like that perfect filler. Yeah, intro. Cacao's one I think that'll it'll be around, and I could probably pick it up again if I if I so feel like it. All right. Well, Tiff, you did more trading. You actually out-traded Dan recently. Oh, yeah. I traded Dan under the table this time Ooh. around. So what else uh, <laughs> has left your collection in lieu of new things? This is the one I'm most excited about, and I didn't realize at the time when I started making trade offers, but like a lot of my want-in-trade games are civ-building games. There's something about civ-building games that I don't want to buy them, <laughs> but I want them. I uh, I traded Suburbia and Suburbia Inc. for Patch History. Interesting. We need to talk about Patch History sometime. Dan, you still have that, right? Yeah, I do. I want to play it. It was just recently on sale as well, and I was like, you know what? I want to play that game finally. Well, now Tiff has it, so we need to we need to get this to happen within the next year, probably. You yeah. traded the expansion for Suburbia as well. Well, I, I yeah. I was just asking. I, I didn't know if I heard you right. I which had expansion did you trade Tiff? Suburbia Inc. plus Suburbia. That was the good one, right? Five Star was the lesser of the. Right. Yeah. I actually never got a chance to play Suburbia Inc. It was still in Shrink. Uh, I like Suburbia. It's a perfect example of a game that I really like, but just isn't making it to the table. I, no one wants to play this game with me for whatever reason. And plus there's the app. I have the app to tide me over That's if I true. get the hankering to play a little Suburbia. And Patch History is one that ever since it came out, like I think it was a couple Essens ago, or maybe it was only one Essen ago, in any case, I've been excited about it. I got it for Dan for Christmas last year. Yeah. It just and he still hasn't played it. I read the rule books Christmas Day, but it's just one of those games. It seems to handle the whole Civ building thing in a totally different way, you know, where you're drafting all the patches and kind of putting them together instead of moving across a bunch of hexes and whatnot. So I want to give it a try. I hope to get it played at the next Panericon. Uh, how do you feel about bowing, rolling cards? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've heard horror stories of what humidity will do to patch history. Yeah, I've heard that, but... I'm just saying. That's all. I'm not trying to... I, I think it's a good... I paid money for that game, Tiff, so I support your trade. I'm not worried about it. A lot of those games that people are like, oh, humidity, like don't, I know, I never seem to have those problems. Maybe it's because my house is properly conditioned. You got all those instruments. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a definite concern here. So maybe that has something to do so with So you that. have the perfect environment to play patch history. Yep. <laughs> For once, there's a reason to go to Ohio. For once. Now, Dan, I don't think you haven't traded anything else recently, right? Uh, no, I have a few in the pipeline, but I don't believe I've traded anything since the last time we talked. I've kind of been on a hiatus. Well, I went on such a binge. I think I traded like in October, I traded like for six or seven games. And I just, with that and a bunch of Kickstarters that came in in November, I've just been overwhelmed with games. Like I literally have like 12 boxes sitting behind me, like in a stack 
that I, I haven't even thrown away just from packages and stuff like that. So I needed to kind of take a step back. And plus I got most of like the, the games I was really searching for. So everything now is kind of like a nice to have as opposed to really want. Cool. cool. But Tiff, you traded for more. Give us one more. One more? Um... Yeah, give us one more. Good one. Okay, so I traded Inca Empire and Peloponnes for Historia, and I know that's kind of like a probably a better deal for the other guy, but I'm trying to get boxes off of my shelves, really. Like, once I've played something and I think it's okay, or a new edition comes out that looks nicer, or a big box, then I'm prepared to make a lopsided trade, and I liked Historia. It's another Civ game, <laughs> so now- Yeah, you really are on a kick. <laughs> I'm going to have all the Civ games. Uh, so I got rid of those, and I've been trying to get rid of Inca Empire for a while. I didn't much care for it. So, yeah, it was good. Well, you and Dan are in sync, because, Dan, didn't you just get Peloponnese? I did buy Peloponnese uh, a couple weeks ago. It was on it was on the shelf for 30 bucks and at the comic book store. I was like, that seems like that shouldn't be there. At Essen, didn't they release the an expansion ex- for it? Yeah, they all released the, the Peloponnese box, which is all the expansions aggregated into one box. So I'd like yeah, to so try it. They came out with a card game, didn't they? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to try it. Our buddy Todd raves about it. So. All right. Well, I think that is a successful failed and flipped. Maybe one of these days I will actually give away a game. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at my shelf here. We'll think about it. Uh, but for now, we will go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we're going to jump right into our nonsensical secret Santa. So join us for that. everybody welcome back it is time for our annual nonsensical secret santa where we aggregate some weird characters from fiction and non-fiction and movies and tvs and real life and we say what if we opened up our little secret santa thing that we drew out of the hat and this person their name was staring back at us so we each have a few different characters that we will go through we pick some games for them and now let's share those so, Dan, you are up first. You reach into the secret Santa hat, and you open your little slip of paper, and the only word you need is staring back at you. Hodor. Hodor. I respect Hodor. He's a man of a deep voice. It's kind of sensual, actually. Few if you think words. About it. Yeah, man of few words. You might be Hodor. I might be. I just go around saying, ladies, ladies. Um, so, he I guess... He does do that, actually. <laughs> I guess the given is obviously a Game of Thrones game, but I'm not going to give him a game that he's in because that's just silly. Although he might like to play it. It might be a little self-absorbed. We don't know. He doesn't speak what he really (laughs) thinks about himself. Um, But I actually went with a game that we recently reviewed on the site, and I just went with the game because it sounds just about as dumb as saying Hodor over and over. That is pretty appropriate. Yeah, because you're looking at it. It's just drab, and you just kind of feel sorry for it. (laughs) 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 The game. The game. And then it's like on your turn, you're like, don't play that card. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of talking, so (laughs) you don't need to be quite verbal. Um, there probably should be more talking. And like I said, it's 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 not all that exciting, kind of like his dialogue in the show and book. And he can play it by himself. Yes, and he can play it by himself while he's carrying Bran on his back. <laughs> 
But Bran's facing the wrong direction. He can't see anything. That's true. Unless he uses his, like, eagle eyes or whatever. And jumps inside of his head. Yeah. Don't make that move. This is what number I have. That might actually be the only way that would be enjoyable to play it. Is if you could go inside somebody's head yeah, and tell you them your numbers. mind control somebody and tell them, don't play that, I have that. You know what I mean? And that's why you play the game solo. It's not in the rule book, so... Doesn't say you can't do it. Nope. <laughs> so, All right. Hodor plays the game, the game. for wargs. Well, for the game for wargs. Uh, my first guy, or guy? I don't know if guy is appropriate, is equally well-spoken. My first guy, when I reach into the nonsensical uh, secret Santa hat, is Groot. I am Groot. What? That's about the extent of his of his language. Uh, the perfect game for Groot. Now, I asked Kelly B this, and she very crudely said, click, clack, lumberjack, which I think is rude. <laughs> <laughs> I but <like> I, <laughs> I was thinking something that even a man with his limited vocabulary could function in, and his strength would be a benefit. I'm going with Ugtech. Ugtech, okay. A game of inflatable caveman mallets. And you're building things. You know, Groot is, he's a helper, he's a team player, but he, sometimes, his limited language gets in the way. So, you know, you make some noises, people do things wrong, you beat them over the head, life is good. So Groot would love to play some Ugg Tech with the rest of the Guardians. What about, like, Arboretum? Would he, like, would that be, like, his relatives? (gasps) That's like, uh... He'd be, like, like playing and go, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, uh, adult magazine for Groot. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that's like that's like tree porn. Yeah, I was trying to say it without saying it, Dan, but thank you. Nope, I went there. <laughs> uh, he might like it, though. You know, it's handheld. You keep it in your pocket. Hey. Oh. All right. I'm not going to make a wood joke. Tiff, uh, what? <laughs> that's a natural transition because speaking of sexy trees, your first secret Santa is none other than Magnum P.I. Ooh-wee, Tom Selleck. Yeah, that's... Also, Ladies. my mom's opinion of Tom Selleck. <laughs> when I was growing up, we watched a lot of Magnum P.I., so I'm actually really familiar with the character and Tom Selleck's hairy chest. <laughs> when I was really little, we lived in an apartment. My mom had a poster of him. I feel like it was a beer ad, and he had like maybe no shirt on or maybe like a really deeply unbuttoned shirt. So I remember that in a horrifying kind of way. And in order to refresh my memory, I may have Google image searched uh, Tom Selleck and found some really horrifying things there. So if you're interested, you guys should all do that. That was part of my research to pick the perfect game for Magnum P.I. I don't know if if disturbing is the right. I mean, it's it's some pretty good looking stuff on Google images. Uh, I don't know. Take your safe search off for this one. <laughs> Is that what you're in? I, okay, never mind. I'm not going to ask you <laughs> what kind of man you're into. It's not my cup of tea. I'll tell you that. It's a nice mustache. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Proceed to. Okay. It's the mantis that I have a problem with. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for Magnum PI, I wanted to pick a co-op game because when Magnum goes out on his adventures, he's usually with TC or uh, Rick and they're, they're, they're helping each other out. Sometimes Higgins gets involved, but begrudgingly. So I picked Escape Curse of the Temple and Robinson Crusoe because it's on an island and obviously Magnum. Oh, uh, yeah. Island. Hawaii. Done. 
<laughs> it makes perfect sense. The link is established. I was trying to find, I couldn't think of like what would be a good game for an, like a former Navy SEAL turned private investigator. Mm. I thought like, you know, he's really good at getting out of sticky situations and like Robinson Crusoe is just like a giant two hour long sticky situation. I hate that I've said sticky twice now. Yeah, I was going to capitalize on a sticky situation joke given our other conversation, but I'll just let it go. What about Wink, Tiff? Oh, God. Would you play Wink if Magnum P.I. was playing? That might be the only case in which I would play Wink. If if Magnum P.I. were involved, I might do it. Tom Selleck standing across the room winking at you. Ooh, wee. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a little disturbing to me that both of you seem way more excited about Tom Selleck than I am. Those Hawaiian Just print saying. shirts. Mm, okay. We know a man when we see one, okay. and we respect that. That's yep. fine. You know? <laughs> Dan, tell me, this is we are vibing today in terms of our Secret Santa because the only man that can stand to Magnum P.I. in terms of sex appeal is the one, the only Ron Burgundy. And what would you get for such a classy man like that? Uh, Mr. Ron Burgundy. I think I'd have to go with uh, News at 11. I think only for the sheer fact that every news story that you can make up in that game has probably been done (laughs) in that movie already. And it would just sound so much better coming from Ron Burgundy. That's true. The listeners may not know, but we start every show with a little Ow Now Brown Cow. Mm Mm-hmm. The Human Torch took out a bank loan. The arsonists had oddly shaped feet. (laughs) We're fans. What can I say? Clearly. That is a great pool. I dig. I would love to do News at 11 with him. He probably does that by himself just to practice. Him and Brick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my next guy is the one and only Homer Simpson, a man who loves the finer things in life, a classy man unto himself. But the thing that he loves more than anything is a good pink donut. We all know that. And Tiff tipped me off to a game called Baker's Dozen, which is the only game that you could get a guy like Homer Simpson because the cards are donuts. Well, they're donut-shaped, which is circular. It turns out that this game is also called Friday the 13th, or Poison, but it would have to be that Baker's Dozen, the perfect... 13 reference it even comes in a little donut carrier box thing i can't think of a better game for homer simpson i don't know if you guys could but i mean he'd just sit there the whole time going "Mm, donuts and i'm down with that that might have been a little too sultry but maybe i'm still riding the magnum pi high i'm not sure (laughs) so that is homer simpson and i would get him baker's dozen now tiff this is a really tough one Hmm. because this is violent furiosa from the recent Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, I don't know if I would get her something violent because she's had so much violence in her life already. Um, you know, she was kidnapped as a young girl from the Green Place. It had to have been tough for her. I thought initially, like, maybe I might get give her my pledge from Defenders of the Last Stand because, you know, it's kind of her lifestyle, you know? But it's just like me and music when I come home. I don't really listen to music. So if she's playing a game, she's probably not going to want to fight off marauders and stuff. So I think I'm going to get her La Isla. It's so green. Oh, my. It's such a good game. That's a stretch. You just wanted to say La Isla one time in this episode. I could get her Mangrovia. That one's green, too. That one is very It'll green remind as well. her of home. That might make her sad, though. Mm, she'll get over it. She's tough. <laughs> <laughs> 
I dig it. Dan, did you see Mad Max? No. So you don't get any of this. No, but I do agree that Lisa is green. <laughs> Confirmed. It's a good pool. Yeah, tip. Mad Max never, I don't know. I was oh, never really interested you in You gotta that. watch Damn, Fury Road, man. Please, well, just, know. no, you need to know that this is the best movie possible. Just watch it. Well, 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 well. I don't well, think well. it's that. Yes, I have real it is. trouble finding that. Did you watch John Wick? Right? I love John Wick. It's the second most badass movie since John Wick, I'm telling you. No, there, there's like, there's John Wick, and then there's eh, a couple other things, and then probably Mad Max. Now, Mad Max is pretty B.A. It's not John Wick B.A., but it's up there. I haven't seen John Wick. I just bought it recently, but I just can't imagine anything being better than Fury Road. It's not, well, John, John Wick, Wick is better. John Wick is amazing. But Fury Road has a guy with no clothes well he's got some pants on like playing on a car that has giant speakers and he's got like a he's like a playing metal music the whole time it's pretty awesome why was your first inclination to say there's a guy with no pants on riding in a car like how does that sell it to me after your reaction to magnum it seems legit well does he have conversation is he at least if he's not wearing pants is he wearing a hawaiian shirt He's kind of a mutant. Yeah, he's kind of pale. That doesn't do it for me. But he's pretty <laughs> cool. Kind of he's a in like gifted his... musician, Dan. He's very good. I like humans. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the Sapiens. <laughs> I feel like Mad Max Fury Road is my Star Wars. I just, I want to put that out there to the world. Star Wars is six films, soon to be seven. Three that are worth it. I don't know if that Mad Max is up. fourth films, and I like all but of them. But you just said Fury Road. Well, okay, but... It, I love it the way people love Star Wars, I think. That's a good one. It just has a lot more uh, Australian people murdering each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, take us to the, uh, to the brighter side of life. What would you get the wonderful Phoebe Buffet? I love friends. I'm, I'm happy to admit that right now, here and there, or here and now, sorry. I'm actively watching it for the first time all the way through. Yeah, I've seen it all the way through at least two or three times. Actually, when I lived in England, I brought the entire DVD set with me. Those are the only DVDs I brought with me, and I just they kept me company for the first couple weeks until I kind of got settled and started meeting people. So I used to go home and just make myself dinner and watch Friends. So it was, it was a sad existence the first month or so I lived there, but then I eventually branched out and met a bunch of cool people. So, But for Phoebe... Insight into the life of Dan. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> um, Sad. Yeah. Watching DVDs. So, I don't know. Phoebe's quirky, but I think she's most famous for, you know, her songs. So, I would get her Felix the Smelly Cat in the Sack, <laughs> I think. I think, you know, when you think Phoebe, you think cats. You think smelly ones in particular. But uh, Felix the Cat in the Sack is another game that is green. So, Tiff probably likes it. And it's a great little bluffing game. And I think she would enjoy it. It's got cute art. Quit judging my love of green games, Dan. You have a thing for brown games, so I don't want to hear it. Well, he likes the other shades of brown, though. You know, your tans and your beiges and your off-whites. It's an eclectic palette. Fact. Well, my last pair of people is a dynamic duo. That's uh, Mr. Vince Vega and Mr. Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction. Two people you do not want to F with, and they will let you know that and you know the low-hanging fruit for a for a duo like this who are always toting around their sidearms is cashing guns obviously the fear of that is that they'd actually point real guns at you though and probably scare the crap out of you until you gave up your little cardboard money 
So I went with something a little bit more cooperative, at least one versus many, and I'm thinking Spectre Ops might be a good shot, because you work together, you shoot people, and you always, you know, the goal is to find your man, to track down somebody who stole something from you, and you kind of, you know, I think it, I think it would foster or play off of they're a great relationship already, you know, really healthy people working together. That fits, so, I think. Yeah, yeah. you might so. be interested to know that our buddy Ben Beagle has a game coming out from Button Shy, Jason Tagmeyer's company next year called Say What Again. What? And it's got a crazy looking, rage roiding Samuel L. Jackson lookalike on the cover of it. So it's a game all about, it's a card game. It's like a push your luck and the dealer asks you your name and then you answer, if you answer what, you get a card and you want to avoid specific cards and <laughs> it sounds really cool i think it's supposed to come out next year well the next year i would pick that game that sounds awesome all right tiff we saved the best for last uh and when i say best i mean the absolute worst this is the one person in your office or your family that you do not want to pull and it's hayden christensen's whiny portrayal of teenage anakin skywalker and i just watched episode three and i'm cranky yeah and i'm <sighs> Pulling this name was just a tragedy because it just brought all that hurt back into my life. I finally got over it. That whiny teenage Anakin. He's the worst. Ugh. I just, He's so cranky. I, I hate even that I had to think about this. So I thought about like if you're if you're pulling the person from the office that you don't want to buy games for, like what what naturally do you do? And I think the answer is you don't spend a dime on them and you re-gift some stuff. Nice. So I went into my four trade list to see what I had laying around that I can't get rid of. So, Knight of the Grand Octopus, that's all yours, little Anakin. <laughs> uh, you can have Panic Station 2 because it makes no sense and I have no idea how the rules work. It's, I think, kind of set in space, so, you know, sure. Oh, yeah, he'll feel at home. And then I got two that are just meant to snub him. Red Shirts, which is a Star Trek parody take that card game. And Tribbles, the customizable card game, which I bought it's as a joke. also a Star Trek game? Yeah, both Star <laughs> Trek games. Suck it, Anakin. Wow. That is the worst bundle of games that you could ever see under your tree. The real problem is that you own all four of those it's games real sad. to give away, Tiff. <laughs> so let's flip that one on you for a minute. Yeah, let's think about Hot Natalie Portman real quick. Ooh. <laughs> what would you get Hot Natalie Portman for Christmas? Mm, Board game, game, Dan. Board game. Not a game. <laughs> No, I'm actually kind of loosely, or Elsa, my wife, is kind of loosely related to her. I think it's her third cousin is married to Natalie Portman. And that's why Dan married <laughs> Elsa. Oh, I'm going to get there one day, and I'm going to have that. He's four degrees from Natalie Portman. Yep, and I'm going to have that white suit ready to go and be like, please? Yeah, I'm sure she's thrilled to be objectified like this, Daniel. I, I wasn't objectifying. I just think she looked really good in it. And Dan's like, hey, can you do your hair up in that giant peacock thing again? Because that looked ridiculous. It's called cosplaying. It's not called objectifying. Yeah. I would take her to a, a con with me. Oh, so you could dress up like Jar Jar Binks. I would. Misa thinks that's good looking. Well, now that we're all uncomfortable, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap up episode 36 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. That sounds like a plan, everyone. Please. Yes. So thank you all for joining us. Just a reminder that if you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. We're happy to hear suggestions for the show and anything else that you may want to hear. You can join us at the BGG Guild number 2077 by going on BGG or going to Guild 
www.nonsensicalgamers.com. Feel free to hit us up on our micro badge thread that we have over there if you'd like to sport a tiny meeple shield or, you know, post some thoughts that you had about some games or any kind of segments that you'd like to hear for the show. Or Tom Selleck. Or Tom Selleck. I'm definitely starting a thread about slash including pictures of Tom Selleck. That'll get flagged real quick. Uh, We are on Instagram, both Dan as the league and me as myself. We post a lot of board game pics if you like to see cool things. We would also appreciate some iTunes reviews, some hearts on board game links, or Stitcher reviews. You know, if you like the show, if you'd like to provide us some feedback, we would love to hear that feedback, and it helps us get the show out there so that more people listen, and we can fine-tune it to what you want to hear. So, the best way to talk to us directly, though, if you just want to have a friendly chat about Tom Selleck or Natalie Portman or bad games that Tiff owns, things like that, uh, you can do that on Twitter. Dan, where do they find you? I'm at League Nonsense for the the league's account or you can find me on my personal account at scandalous underscore nad and tiff where do they find you i am at inept gamer excellent and i am at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically and intelligently thank you all for joining us we will see you next week for another full-length episode probably so join us then say goodbye everyone bye bye you've calmed down from the tom Selleck picture and you're not breathing heavy anymore <laughs> that was totally it i yep. mean we're talking my mic's picking up a lot of heavy breathing <laughs> and heartbeats that's a little scary hold on let me close this browser window real quick <laughs> restart the recording so dan you reached into the the secret santa hat and you pulled out ron burgundy yeah <laughs> The classy man himself. Oh, he's very classy, especially if you're in San Diego. Sometimes um, he looks like a blueberry. Since Ron Burgundy is such a fan of a whale's vagina. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> this is taking a turn. I thought I'd go with New Bedford, which is also French for a whale's vagina. Um, <laughs> it is a game about whaling. This is the loose connection I've made. So just you run with it. had me run with it um yeah new bedford a game about whaling but not their vaginas i should probably cut all that i don't know if i should say vagina like 40 you're saying vagina way too much you're getting you said it once and then you got nervous and started giggling and then said it too many times (laughs) i'm not nervous trust me i'm not nervous i don't care it was fine to say let's see the first time was a little shock value that the third time was like all right dan we get it